The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. A little later than usual this week because of our referendum coverage. We're joined from the United States by Marion McKeown, a US correspondent for the Business Post, and also by Cal Thomas, who's a nationally syndicated columnist across a whole range of American publications. But before we talk to them, let's hear American President Joe Biden. Last night on the Late Night with Seth Meyers show, he was asked about his age. And this isn't a gotcha show, but I do want to ask about it, that says you are currently 81 years old. Who the hell told you that? Yeah. (laughs) That's classified. That's classified. All jokes aside, according to recent polling, this is a real concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. And, uh... (laughs) Number one. Number two... (laughs) It's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American positions. So, Mary McQueen, how well did he remember his lines in that interview? You know, I, it felt a little bit canned to me, to be quite honest. And of course, these things are rehearsed and you can see that joke coming, you know. Uh, but this is the kind of thing he's got to do because I th- I thought he was just OK. The thing about Joe Biden, and I'm sure Cal will agree with me on this as well, is that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, he sounded hesitant in the way he spoke. You know, he pauses in mid-sentence. It sounds like he's fumbling to recall things. I think a lot of it is a device that he uses because he has... struggled with a stutter since his childhood. So, you know, I think that some of what makes him appear elderly, which he is, and hesitant is partly that. But, you know, he's not great on his feet. He's not very quick. He's not very, um, you know, in a spontaneous situation like that. But, you know, it it was okay. I don't think it's going to change any any dynamics, but he did just okay. Okay. so does it matter uh, how he performs Cal in media interviews, is it not more important how he actually does the job of making decisions and bringing forward laws? Well, in the television age, Matt, it's very important, uh, the image you project to the country. Uh, We've had some very articulate presidents in the past, Ronald Reagan, uh, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and people are used to uh, presidents and presidential candidates being able to speak coherently. From a political point of view, I think even... past Obama and and, uh, and uh, Biden aides are beginning to speak out about the concerns that increasing number of Americans feel. Uh, they're, they're speaking now about uh, his, his mumbling and his frailty. John Favreau, who was a uh, chief speechwriter for Obama when uh, Biden was vice president, said on a recent podcast, if you watch Joe Biden speak, oftentimes he sounds frail and he sounds more frail than he used to, even in 2019 and 2020. That's a direct quote. Now, you can't uh, roll back time. He's not going to be more articulate. He's not going to be younger. He's not going to walk stronger. And so these images are fixed in the minds of voters. Uh, yes, Trump has its own, his own problems. But uh, And by the way, uh, Biden's reference to uh, Trump not knowing his wife's name That came at the CPAC conservative conference in Washington. He was referring to uh, Mercedes Schlapp, not his wife, Melania. So just to clear that up. Well, I suppose, Marion, he doesn't see an awful lot of his wife, does he? 
No, indeed. I think that's why there was such an irony in him asking where Nikki Haley's husband was. You know, the question of where Melania is could equally be asked back to him. But he ha- I think also Biden might have been referring to the fact that he did mix up a picture in the past of Marla Maples, his his former wife with Eugene Carroll, and he has misspelled his wife Melania's name repeatedly on, on um, you know, his Truth Social column, etc. So there does seem to be an element of confusion there. But, you know, it was a good line. It was a, it was a good line. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to be enough. I'm going to be very interested to see if they actually have any debates this year, if they do go ahead with these scheduled debates and how both of them will perform. It'll be, you know, it'll be quite a show, I think. It will indeed. Of course, both of them are going to be making a show, Cal, on the Mexican border this Thursday. So what should we expect out of that? Well, the president uh, is clearly in trouble in immigration. It is now top the economy. It's the number one issue in this campaign by far. And he has felt pressure to do something or say something. There have been reports that he might ex- uh, issue an executive order uh, to stop the flow of uh, millions of immigrants into this country, along with crime and, and drugs and the rest. So he's going to uh, Brownsville, Texas, and Trump is going to Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, at Eagle Pass, the governor of Texas, uh, Greg Abbott has virtually shut down that portion of the border uh, with all kinds of barriers, including razor wire. In Brownsville, Texas, they've cleaned up the place, as they usually do before any president arrives. And uh, I don't think, uh, even though he's going to talk to Border Patrol agents and other people, uh, I don't think he's going to do much because uh, most of his supporters like things the way they are. So could it be, Marion, that Biden is going to have to dance to Trump's tune on immigration, that effectively Trump is setting the agenda in relation to what will be done? Yeah, you know, I think that Trump has has very um, skillfully in that way that he has, has just made this whole election about immigration. And I've seen it in all the places I've been in all, all of the states, whether it's New Hampshire, whether it's Iowa, whether it's South Carolina, you know, that everybody is concerned about immigration at the moment. It is a really big issue here and people are angry about it and they're frustrated about it. Now, I, of course, it gets back to the obvious question and we just saw a meeting just finished in the White House between the um, the Democratic and Republican heads of the, the House of Congress and the Senate and uh, you know, Mike Johnson, who absolutely refused on Trump's instructions to take up an immigration bill that, that had bipartisan support, that was the toughest bill in, well, the only bill really in 40 years, I suppose, but that really would have dealt with these issues. But of course, the Republicans don't want to deal these issues now because it would take away Trump's only, I would say, um, election cudgel, you know, that he couldn't keep hitting Biden over the head with. So it's very, very cynical. Uh, Mike Johnson came out and tried to defend himself after the meeting with Biden. He sounded pretty lame. Uh, Mitch McConnell wasn't seen anywhere near him, which tells you about the disunity in the Republican Party. Uh, and, and, you know, there's just a whole mess going on in Congress as well, with this looming shutdown, another one, with um, Johnson making pathetic excuses as to why he won't fund Ukraine. Um, and, you know, you really, the Republicans are not inspiring confidence. And I think if Biden can, to a degree, run on his record, and the Democrats look like a pretty united party, uh, I think a lot of voters, particularly the ones who have shown real disquiet about Trump in the Republican Party, you know, Nikki Haley getting 40% of the vote. You can call that a rout, but if you look at it a different way, people say that Trump is the incumbent. He is the de facto president. He won. These Republicans say he won in 2020, but if he's only getting six out of ten of them, well, he's, I think, in a bit of trouble too. Yeah, what about that point, Cal? Could it be that a lot of those disaffected Republicans just won't come out to vote if Trump is their candidate on the ballot paper? 
Well, it's still February, Matt, and anything can happen and probably will. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had a editorial yesterday said even if most of those voters, meaning the Haley voters, uh, hold their noses and vote for Trump in a race against Biden, the question is how many stay home, vote for a third party, or go over to Biden. Even if a 10 percent defection uh, occurs, that could be decisive. So I, I think, uh, you know, we've had these uh, issues in the past with third party and other people running, and usually members of uh, the the parties, whether they be Republican or Democrat, uh, come home. But this is the most unusual election, as both Marion and I have said on this highly rated program uh, for several months that we've ever had in the United States. So there's no way anybody can accurately predict what's going to happen. Well, what about what's happening in Michigan, Marion? Because this is primary day, and there's now a suggestion that the large Arab American community in Michigan will not vote for Biden in opposition to what they see as his hands-off position in relation to what Israel is doing in Gaza. If he's going to win the presidential election in November, he's going to have to win states like Michigan. How would he cope with a boycott by Arab American voters? Well, it could cost him the election. He has to win Michigan in, in November. It's it's not negotiable. He, Biden has to win Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, those three states. And they are now swing states. You may remember Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton in Michigan by only around 12,000 votes. Biden beat Trump by about 154,000. But there are about 200,000 registered Muslim voters in Michigan, and they tend to vote overwhelmingly Democrat. Now, it's that situation again with, with, with Trump almost that there is a, a um, campaign at the moment saying to vote uncommitted. You know, don't vote for Joe Biden, just vote uncommitted in protest at his handling of, of the Israeli um, war in Gaza. And I th- that seems to be gaining a lot of ground. Now, if, if um, again, nothing changes between now and November in, in, in terms of how this war is being prosecuted, uh, Biden is going to be in big trouble in Michigan because I don't see any of these Muslim voters going over to Trump, but I do see them staying home. And I think that will be a real problem from. Okay. Marion, can I just stay with you as well? Uh, tell us about Alexander Smirnov, please. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm sure anybody who's been following the Biden impeachment and the whole Republican um, debacle that it is uh, will be familiar with Alexander Smirnov. He was an FBI informant and Jim Jordan, and I remember him rushing out on the steps of Capitol Hill about a year ago, um, and it was, we have an informant, we have an FBI informant who says that Joe Biden got five million in bribes from Ukrainian oligarchs. Joe Biden got it personally and they were jumping up and down with excitement and it was, oh my God, Biden crime family corruption. Well, it turns out that um, the investigation that was done into Hunter Biden by the special counsel, David Weiss, who was based in um, Delaware, uh, has been going on. And he discovered, apart from the fact that he has indicted um, Hunter Biden on on gun charges and tax charges, uh, he discovered that this great informant, the FBI informant, has um, was lying all along about these bribes that Joe Biden got. He just made it up. And, and worse than that, he seems to have yes, ties to Russia. Yeah, exactly. And they said that not only is is this really serious, but the fact that he may have been working as a Russian agent all along, that there's a possibility because he has such ties and he was feeding all this stuff to the FBI, that he may have actually been working for the Russians and to aid them with more electric interference. Anyway, he was released on bail initially in Nevada and then he was uh, arrested again. And a judge in Los Angeles yesterday said that he has to remain on remand for the, for the duration until his trial. He 
apparently has a lot of money. He and his wife have about $10 million between them. And, you know, given his extensive foreign contacts, it does seem like kind of a sensible decision that you would hold him and in remand until the trial. What do so you make of this, Carl Thomas? Well, he was a trusted uh, informant for the FBI for 10 years. So what does that say about uh, his credibility? Look, uh, Sorry, what does it say about the FBI and how they assess their informants? There's plenty more out there, uh, including how uh, Hunter Biden got all this money from Burisma and other places, how Joe Biden became a multimillionaire through 20 LLCs, and there's plenty more to investigate. I'm sure it's going to come out eventually and probably uh, long before the election. Okay, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for being with us tonight, Cal Thomas and Marion McKeown. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.